trigger warning. This episode of the Goddess of Technology podcast contains descriptions of cannibalism, a topic that may be disturbing and upsetting to some podcast listeners amongst you. Listener discretion is advised. If you find this content distressing, I recommend approaching it with caution or skipping it altogether and switching to another episode which feels more positive to you. I'm kindly asking you to prioritize your mental and emotional well-being. Welcome, willkommen, welcome, bienvenue, bienvenido en maligayang pagdating at the Goddess of Technology podcast, your podcast on career development and growth in the technology industry. My name is Marie, and I am your podcast host. I am welcoming you with open arms to GT's exclusive Halloween special episode. Halloween is truly one of my personal favorite events in the entire year. To be honest, I enjoy it more than Christmas because generally I'm very enthusiastic about spiritual theories, conversations about spiritual topics, psychological thrillers, horror movies focusing on spirits and exorcism, and true crime content. Therefore, in this episode, to celebrate Halloween with you, I'll be sharing a true crime case. One that is specific to the tech industry. One on a fellow tech geek of ours, who on the surface appears just like you and I, but in reality is leading an unexpected horrifying double life. Armin Mivas was a talented IT technician. On one hand, he was referred to as an introvert who spent most of his time with his mother, with whom he lived in a large farmhouse with 36 rooms in a German village called Rotenburg an der Fulda. On the other hand, Maivis was described by the people surrounding him as someone who is friendly, helpful, polite, well-spoken, intelligent, and most importantly, who often wore a smile on his face. Maivis was born on the 1st of December 1961 in another city in Germany called Essen. He was the only child of his mother, Waltrud Maivis, who herself was born in 1919 and passed away in 1999. Maivis had two older half-brothers from his father's previous relationship with another woman. At the age of eight, Maivis' father left him and his mother unexpectedly an event which Maivis would later on describe as traumatizing, considering that he referred to himself as a daddy's boy who had a strong relationship with his father. And 
who had then started suffering from his absence of a father figure for him. Later on, his two older half-brothers moved to Berlin, leaving Mivas and his mother on their own. Since Mivas's mother, Waltrud, had not only been left by his father, but previously also by other men, she repeatedly and increasingly suffered from a feeling of abandonment. Therefore, she cultivated an even stronger desire to hold on to the last loved one she felt she had left, her son, Amin Maivis. This desire for proximity led to Maivis's mother becoming dependent and controlling towards him to an extent that it was impossible for some of his former girlfriends to stay over at their house which ultimately impacted these relationships Mivas had heavily. Mivas felt lonely since his father and half-brothers left and longed for a father figure to pave the way for him as a man. Hence, Mivas made up an imaginary person, to be specific, an imaginary younger brother and friends. However, this fantasy figure wasn't sufficient for him any longer. At the age of 12, Maivas started taking interest in cannibalism as a means to no longer be abandoned by his loved ones, and by eating his loved ones, to transform them into a permanent part of him. A permanent part that could no longer abandon him, as his father did. Although Maivas identifies as bisexual, he was interested in eating men only due to his traumatic experience with having been unexpectedly abandoned by his father. Some of Maivas' first sources of inspiration for cannibalism, if you will, were the German fairy tale Hansel and Gretel, or as you would say in German, Hansel und Gretel, by the brothers Grimm and Daniel Defoe's novel, Robinson Crusoe. In Hansel and Gretel, he found joy in the fact that the witch planned on eating Hansel, although she ultimately fails. In Robinson Crusoe, Mivas found inches in the main antagonist of the novel, a group of cannibals that live on islands and kill humans and eat their meat. Maiva started feeling sexually aroused by the idea of people asking him to treat them poorly, followed by having sex with them, and ultimately being eaten by Maivis. To identify like-minded people with a similar fetish, and to feel a sense of belonging to a community amidst his feelings of loneliness, Maivas joined multiple online forums dedicated to people with a fetish, especially with cannibalism. In March 2001, so two years after Maivas' mom passed away, which made him feel even more lonely, on one of these forums, a farm called the Cannibal Cafe, which is today already deactivated, Maivas published an advertisement stating that he was looking for a well-built 18 to 25-year-old to be slaughtered and then consumed. 
on an important note, the idea of consent is one that Maivas highlights in multiple interviews. So, according to him, someone consenting to being eaten by him doesn't make it murder. And according to him as well, he would never eat or kill anyone who is not asking for it and is not consenting to it. So, moreover, although Maivas identifies as bisexual, hence feeling attracted to both female and male, he's interested in eating men only. So, again, this is due to his um, traumatizing experience with his dad leaving and feeling lonely. Um, so many people responded to Maivas's ad, but ultimately backed out. But again, Maivis did not want to force anyone to do anything against their will. So he decided to be patient and to wait for someone who would ultimately agree. And his patience was, let's say, worth it. Because soon he would found a willing volunteer who did not back out like the others. Unfortunately. Bernd Jürgen Amando Brandes. At that time, Brandes was a 43-year-old, so significantly older than the 18 to 25-year-old men that Maivas had been initially looking for. But Brandes was, for Maivas, a very attractive man. Uh, he was proudly homosexual. He was a manager of engineering at Siemens AG, um, based, and he was based in the German capital of Berlin. And so they both also bonded on the fact that they were both working in tech. And so for those particularly interested amongst you and who may not know it yet, uh, so Siemens is a German multinational technology conglomerate. It's known as Europe's largest industrial manufacturing company and the global market leader in industrial automation and industrial software. Um, so moreover, Brandes was the son of a successful doctor's couple. So all in all, on paper, he looked like someone who was very professionally successful and most probably also wealthy. But despite this work-related success on paper, Brandes had been deeply suffering from a traumatic childhood experience himself, similar to Maivis. Brandes' mother took her own life, which his father had hidden from Brandes. He disguised it as a car accident to turn this tragedy into something more bearable one for Brandes, especially because it happened when he was younger. Blaming himself for his mother's passing and feeling undeserving of love and of life, Brandes had long been seeking a man who would be willing to have sexual intercourse with him and afterwards cut off his penis and ultimately take over his money and possessions that he so 
worked hard for at Siemens as a manager of engineering. Brandes was known amongst the social circle for having been looking for this kind of person who would do that for him and to him on online forums, but also amongst sex workers in Berlin. But Brandes did not find that person until he discovered Mivis's ad. Both Brandes and Mivis seemed to have been pleased having found each other given that they met each other's needs. Therefore, the two men proceeded to act on a horrifying agreement. Brandes consented to being killed and eaten by Mivis. But how did this agreement materialize in practice? On the 9th of March 2001, the two men met at Mivas's home, the large farmhouse with 36 rooms in Rodenburg, which is about four to four and a half hours away from Berlin, where Brandes's lived, where he was from. The two agreed to Mivas recording the entire event on videotape, which turned out to be a four-hour video evidence later on. Due to the horrifying character of this video, it hadn't been released to the public. However, there are about four screenshots that were leaked online at the same time. The credibility of these screenshots has not been proven up to date. Now you might be asking yourself, what does this video actually show? You really want to know? You can still always switch this off because trigger warning once again, this is going to be gruesome. Brandes consumes about 20 sleeping pills and a bottle of cough syrup to make him feel more at ease, more comfortable, and less nervous for what it's about to happen. At the same time, these 20 sleeping pills and the cough syrup cause an effect of extreme tiredness and slowed breathing in Brandes. Initially, Brandes insisted that Mivis would attempt to bite his penis off directly. Since this did not work after multiple attempts, Mivis used a knife to amputate it from Brandes's body. The two men attempt to eat the now amputated penis together. Brandes tries to eat some of his own penis in its raw form, but could not. According to him, it was too tough and chewy. Mivis, though, managed to some extent. The court officials who saw the video, which has not been made public again, stated that at that stage, Brandes must have already felt so weakened from blood loss to eat any of his own penis. To solve Brandes' challenge to eat his raw penis, Mivas fried it in a pan with salt, pepper, garlic, and wine. He then fries the penis with some of Brandes' own body fat. But by then, the organ was too burned to be consumed by any of these two men. So, to not let the burnt penis go entirely to waste, Mivas chops it into chunks to feed it 
to his dog. Midas then runs a bath for Brandes, in which Brandes lies bleeding, weakened, turning increasingly unconscious. In the meantime, guess what Midas is up to? Midas is reading a Star Trek book while checking on Brandes in the bath every 15 minutes, who is literally in the process of passing away. After some hesitation and prayer, Maivas kills Brandes by stabbing him in the throat. He then hangs the body on a meat hook. Now, what happened following to Brandes' death and the ending of the video? Maivas dismembered and ate the corpse over the next 10 months, storing body parts in his freezer under pizza boxes and other foods, and consuming up to 20 kilograms or 44 pounds of Brandes's flesh. The case only came to the attention of the authorities when Maivas posted a new ad on a cannibalism fetish forum looking for another willing victim after Brandes. This led to Maivas' arrest in December 2002. Maivas was tried and convicted in 2004. He was found guilty of manslaughter as German law at that time did not specifically address cannibalism. He was sentenced initially to eight and a half years in prison. But the prosecution appealed, arguing that he should be convicted of murder, which is absolutely understandable. On May on the 10th of May 2006, a court in Frankfurt convicted Maivis of murder and sentenced him to life imprisonment. At his retrial, a psychologist stated that Maivis could reoffend as he still had fantasies about devouring the flesh of young people. As of 2020, Rather recently, Maivas has been allowed to go outside of prison for supervised excursions in disguise around town in a different state. In prison, Maivas works at the laundry and often attends church service. This year of 2023, his former home burned down in what was suspected to be an arson attack. Two juvenile suspects are under investigation, but no arrests have been made, at least not yet. Maivas underwent psychiatric evaluation during his trial. He was diagnosed with a severe paraphilic disorder known as cannibalistic disorder. This disorder contributed to his compulsion to carry out the acts that he did. Today, this case has a significant impact on German law, leading to changes in legislation regarding consent in cases of extreme violence. 
This case remains one of the most disturbing and widely discussed true crime cases, not only because of the horrific acts involved, but also because it raises important legal and ethical questions about issues such as consent, personal autonomy, and the boundaries of criminal liability. And a final fun fact, while in prison, Mivas has since become a vegetarian. <sighs> now, let's have a breather after that. Please feel free to share any questions, any prompts for a discussion, or any emotions, feelings, and thoughts that you might have on the Amin Maivas and Van Branda's case here with me via the contact form that I'll be linking in the episode description. I'm excited to hear from you and to learn about your take on this case. Or maybe are there any other true crime cases that are related to tech professionals or to the tech industry that you would like me to speak about in the goddess of technology if so please feel free to share that as well with me via the contact form now to conclude i would like to give you a call to action not only for this halloween but for any time really if you feel lonely you feel that you are suffering from a traumatic experience that impacts your behavioral patterns or your relationships up to present and these traumatic experiences feel like they weigh so heavily in your chest or on, or on your guts then I'm kindly asking you to reach out to other people for help. Whether it be your friends, your family, if you trust them, your manager, your co-workers, and if you have the resources for it, to reach out to a certified professional who you can have a conversation with. Do not shame yourself for thinking and feeling what you do and to actually need help because in a case like this with Amin Maivis, we can see that him and his mother have suffered a lot from a traumatic past that throughout many years up to their adult life have impacted them to an extent that it would actually lead them to such horrific crimes so so specifically i'm in here not his mother but yeah uh, so before that happens I'm asking you please to reach out to other people to ask for help. Now, even if you are not 100% certain that you need help, 
but you are already questioning that you might be needing help, that you are having a lot of questions on your mind, that you have you feel that you're not a hundred percent you anymore for quite a few weeks or months already. In that case, that is already totally fine if you ask for help there as well. There is no stigma to asking for help, to opening up that something that happened in the past is hurting you, has been hurting you for years. And if you feel like you have to be all right, you have to be happy all the time, um, that is just not true. You know, like, for example, when someone is asking me how I am doing, I am someone who's very authentic and honest about that. Sometimes I even say, I am not well today. And through a lot of a lot of people's reactions, I'm seeing that we still need to raise awareness that it is okay to not be okay sometimes. Because when I say sometimes I'm not okay, people are responding in a way of oh why what happened but there is so much in life to be grateful for so much in life to be happy about and although the latter might be true although that is true that life is overall beautiful that there there is a lot to look forward to it is just absolutely human and a part of life to sometimes feel down to sometimes feel uncertain that doesn't mean that something is wrong with you it does not mean that you immediately have to pivot to thinking positive again but let's please normalize continuously although i feel we've been doing a better work already to normalize that it's okay to not be okay to normalize saying i am not well today to normalize reaching out for help because if we um still um believe that we have to be positive and happy and productive all the time then it will make people feel afraid and um feel rejected if they actually say they're not okay and they need help so let us normalize the conversation about not feeling okay feeling bad feeling uncertain and asking for help so that's what i want to say with this um and you know in this case for example amin maivis is having a disorder plus he experienced such a traumatic experience in the past um so that is a very specific case of course it doesn't have to be that far or that let's say severe for you to ask for help you can always ask for help even if it seems a lot stronger and maybe more low-key uh, less stronger and a, a lot more low-key than this one um yeah please feel free to share your feedback with me what you think about true crime cases in the tech industry here in goddess of technology occasionally of course i will not be becoming a hundred percent true crime podcast but i'm a big fan of true crime and i can i can picture myself um introducing here or there one true crime in tech in some episode in one or the other so yeah looking forward to hearing from you and i'm wishing you and your loved ones a happy halloween 
Mwah.